Design Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. The book From Cairo to Christ, How One Muslim's Faith Journey Shows the Way for Others. We have a special guest tonight, Dr. Abu Atallah. He joins us. He's the man behind the book, and welcome to the program. Thank you. So you have a certain journey of faith, obviously, and where should we begin with all this? Well, actually, uh, my journey starts with... uh Growing up uh, with my father, who died when I was 11, and my mother had the greatest influence on my life, uh, Islamically at least, uh, by teaching me the Quran as well as uh, praying, and she was really uh, the religious anchor in my Islamic side of my life. Um, So she left a great impact on me. She was not a a radical Muslim, but she was really... uh, since she was seven years old, she prayed all the five times prayers and fasted and did everything Islam asked. So she was kind of a model Muslim woman. Yeah, and there are a lot of devout people who are Muslims. You see them, and I don't know, what do they call the uh, the shawl that goes over the woman's face? Oh, it depends. Is it uh, sari? Is that it? it well, sari would be in Pakistan. Oh, okay. Hijab, it's for most Muslims, and your uh, uh, face is open. You can see their faces. Then you have a third one called niqab, which is you can only see their eyes and everything else is covered. Because it's worn well, if you will. I mean, it seems like they're very devout about the whole thing and everything. And so and you meet many spiritual Muslims out there. But then when it comes to what do, what do Muslims think of Christians? Well, it really depends. Uh, lately, things have really uh, went down. In the past, there used to be Muslims and Christians living together, at least in Egypt with no problems and the best friends my mom's best friends were christians and my english teacher was christian and we always loved them and have them as neighbors and so on uh, but lately since president sadat released the muslim brotherhood uh, to come out of jail to fight the socialists who wanted to have a coup against them they have become dominant and uh, moved from religious fervor to a fanatic and to uh, militant uh, muslims uh, which really, you know, ended up in the last few years, the end of Mubarak uh, regime, and then they came to power. And for them, that was the epitome of having the law of God to become the law, the law of the land. Uh, so that's where they felt that was the right time. And there's quite a few government, hidden government, that helps them with money and equipment, and they have recruited many, many people. Hmm. Uh, so that's really the attitude of Muslims has changed because of them and also because of the satellite TV that has all kind of people I've never known who they are, where they come from, who are extremely radical when it comes to everything. So even the moderates right nowadays, are you don't hear of them, you only hear the radicals and someone seems to be funding them yeah. to come out with their uh, opinion, your religious opinion, what we call fatwa. Yeah, and then, now you're a Christian, obviously, and so you were a Muslim. What kind of Muslim were you? Well, I won't say, in the beginning when I joined the Muslim Brotherhood, I was not radical. Uh, you know, so I was more of a moderate Muslim, but I prayed more than other Muslims pray, fasted more, did things uh, most of the time more. And believe it or not, uh, the leader of the group was six years older than me, and his name is was Ayman al-Zawahri, and that's the head of Al-Qaeda right now. Hmm. Uh, so that's 
you know, if 9-11, when I looked at 9-11, and I said, Lord, I could have been in the other side of the equation. Wow. Uh, you know, so if it wasn't the amazing grace of the Lord of saving me to be in this side, you know, I could be in the other side. That's really amazing how that happens, though, how people just so easily, you see Americans, too, that they're taken in by it and, and looking for something different or radical or to join something and uh, and easy prey for Satan, if you will. And so um, now the Lord's grace entered your life. I want to, you know, want you to tell your testimony just a bit, but I want everyone to know that Dr. Abu Antala is the founder and CEO of European Training Center and a, a pastor, professor, missionary with the Evangelical. Presbyterian Church. So, uh, how did you come to Christ? Well, I would sum it actually, and I just, as I said before, uh, I always say this is a testimony of the Lord in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be the right perspective. Uh, what God has done uh, in my life. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, off air at one time when, about uh, you know when you, people give out their testimonies, you have to be certain that you do it points to the Lord and not to them. Exactly. Yes. And it's, you know, it's always as a leader, Christian leader, uh, you always pray that it doesn't get to your head. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, that's for sure. Keep perspective. So you don't want to emphasize yourself uh, yes. or your work. And I think this is a very crucial, as uh, when you talk about being a, becoming a Christian, because Muslims depends all their lives is dependent on their work, mm. and they're never assured to go to heaven. Uh, so that's why they try to be as fervent as they can and do anything above board to earn uh, heaven. And for me, uh, there were a few things that really made me look at this. The first thing uh, I would tell you about some of the negative things. And then I would tell you about some of the positive things. Okay. One of the most negative things that happened when I was in university, that we had a young lady, and you know, I have Christians and Muslims, we have almost 12 million Christians in, in Egypt with about 90 million Muslims uh, sorry um, would be 12 million and the rest of the 90 million would be Muslims Okay. and uh, they come to school with us so I was in university and we had the Muslim Brotherhood was starting to take to gain uh, footing in the universities and take the student unions and they dominated it and one of them came and saw this young lady was a Christian wearing a cross, and he grabbed that cross, threw it on the ground, stepped on it, he spit on her face, mm. and slapped her, and said, you're infidel, you're going to hell. And that really rubbed me off the wrong way. I just could not say, you know, you're just a bad Muslim. Islam is uh, has nothing to do with this. And that really, uh, it, it was sad for me to see this. But unfortunately, that continued to happen in the university. And they continued to beat up some of the Christian professors who were some of the best wow. in the nation. They separated the men from the women. Hmm. Uh, you know, it was just sad uh, to see all of that happening. Uh, women were, uh, their fate, you know, they said you have to cover up as what you're talking about, the cover, which is the hijab. When they didn't do that, they put acid on their face. Oh, my goodness. So you take just in one neighborhood, you do that to one young lady, every parent. Hmm you know, put a cover on their daughters or wives or sisters, you know. So that was a rule by fear, not a rule by life and being good to, to God. It was just fear, you know, pure, pure fear. And they wanted to dominate 
the whole society and uh, you know so these are some of the things that started to happen and left really an impact on me um, just to see the how sinister they have become uh, my best friends who read me to the Muslim Brotherhood his father actually was a very nice man was a female tailor uh, and he just you know did some of the great artists and he did the dresses and so on and when he became a Muslim fundamentalist he said I cannot touch women so he left his job he started to cover up his wife and children uh, and daughters and then he started to beat up his daughter and his wife oh my goodness he changed into a whole different beast uh, you know so it's sad and it's almost in some sense the beauty in the beast he was a good man very quiet an artist for, for example you know but then became very sinister when he joined uh, the Brotherhood. So I could see it changed hmm. people to the wrong way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people see that in images on television all the time, and the fear and the terror and things that happen with Muslims. They, But then there's some peaceable Muslims as well. But when it comes to thinking about God, uh, how do we stray as far as Muslim thinking of the Christian God and how offended are they and why? Well, uh, you know, for me, I, I, will, I will address that in a minute. Uh, the good thing that happened, also meeting some Christian young people or having a Bible study, and uh, it took me a while to finally join them or at least to see what they're doing. And I went to one of the homes and they had a Bible study there. And I was so amazed by their devotion to God. And that's quite a contrast, the way they prayed, the way they were, hmm. uh, their heart uh, was toward the Lord and loving the Lord. It was completely different. Uh, you know, when you talk about a Muslim who's wanted to really be really religious and a Christian who really loved the Lord, that was quite a contrast. The difference in character, the difference in outlook. Uh, that was quite a contrast. What's the major contrast that you saw? Is it just a genuine love? Is it What, what, what did you see? I mean, the lack of uh, anger. Mm-hmm. The abundance of love, the relationship with God. You know, Muslims don't look at God as a father. He's just out there, you obey him. You know, you are his slave, but never his son, never related to him in any way that is human could construct uh, as human relationship. Because God is totally different, totally apart from man. Uh, so I saw in them that relationship, the love that they have for God, and even the communication, the way they prayed was different. We had, you know, certain prayers we pray all the time. We do the same things all our lives. And we, the spontaneity is sometime there, but not always. While the Christians, you really have an open heart. They can pray freely to their father, and they really treat God as a father and felt that way. So for me, that was really a contrast. Was it an inclusion, too? I mean, you felt included, the fact that there's the way right there uh, to be included in, in God's love and God's family as opposed to maybe a rite and kind of ritual with uh, the Muslims? Well, in the beginning, it, wa- it wasn't. You know, I was also looking for a community, and I thought the Muslim Brotherhood would provide that community. Uh, but eventually, with the Christians, you know, in the beginning, I was just observing. I wasn't part of them, and it was a l- they were a little bit scared of me, knowing who I am and where mm. I'm coming uh, but then my brother was used to date a Muslim, uh, a Christian young lady, and we usually date them, but we don't marry them. Hmm. So she gave him a Bible, 
and he didn't read it, but he left it in in our house, and I found it and I started reading it, and it was great for me because if somebody asked me where he got the Bible from, I found it at home. It's not my fault. It's my brother's. Uh, you know, so that way I don't have to answer any question except I found it home and I'm reading it. Um, Leave it to God, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I read it and I compared it to what I've seen people praying and so on. Then I had a couple of incidents, one with the car. Uh, when our car, you know, usually in the weekend we go and chase each other in the desert. And if you come from the Middle West, uh, you know, you do donuts in the snow. Right. You did donuts in the sand. But unfortunately the car got stuck in the sand. Hmm. And I said, I'm going to pray and see if that their God listens. <coughs> if their God listens. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, I call this a bingo prayer because it's not a faithful one. Uh, you try to play bingo, hopefully you win. That's right. So I did. And after the car got stuck, somebody, a truck came and pulled us out. We started the car, it started. He says, well, what's the big deal? If I prayed like a Muslim, the same thing would have happened. And then the other incident was my friend, and uh, I was riding a motorcycle. And, uh, you know, you get too excited about riding a motorcycle in the desert. There's no stop sign. You go so fast. And being a typical man, I ne- really never listened to all the instruction. I was so excited about riding the motorcycle. And I finally got to the point, says, how do you stop this thing? And I lost control of the motorcycle. And it was a big use, like Harley Davidson, but it was from Eastern Europe. The motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And I finally, I don't know why I said that, but I said, Jesus, help me. The motorcycle stopped immediately. And my atheist German friend came to me and said, God saved you. He says, well, you're an atheist. What do you mean God saved me? And by the way, I didn't pray to God. I prayed to Jesus. And Jesus is not God. So right away, you know, I put my fences. Uh, but then as I went home and I started to compare what happened to me, what I've seen in those young people's lives, and what I read in the Bible, I found a consistency. Hmm. Yeah, with the word of God. And as I read the Bible more, Jesus was just the real truth. I was looking for the truth and I found it. And relationship, I then went back to study the Bible and that group became really, truly the body of Christ for me. Yeah, their love, their care, their understanding, their answering questions. And did people see that change in your family that you went from, were you an angry young man at one time? Actually, I had a very lousy tongue. Hmm. I was cussing all the time. And my brother used to get mad at me, and they were embarrassed at me. So right away when I became a Christian, I didn't tell them, of course. But I stopped cussing immediately. The same thing happened to me. (laughs) And I stopped smoking immediately. Amen. Amazing. And the problem for me was all my friends with Muhammad and Hassan and Hussein, and now they become Andraus and they become Thomas. So the names became Christians instead of Muslims. So wait a minute, you're saying they're friends of yours and even family members, they came to Christ too? No, no, no. Oh. But these were the kind of friends. Mm-hmm. I used to have Muhammad and Hassan and Hussein who are Muslims. Yes. Now as I hung around the Christians, the Christians usually have different names than the Muslims. Well, I want to ask you something because, you know, your book is certainly How One Muslim's Faith Journey Shows the Way for Others. Let's talk about that for just a second because no doubt a lot of people can glean from not only how to witness to Muslims, but also you do a lot of traveling and uh, in your journeys uh, coming across whether it's um, dangerous or not. And what, what's the one thing in writing this book that you want people to know about a Muslim's faith journey? Well, I wanted them to know how the Muslims think, how they've been brought up and how their uh, their mind has been shaped 
informed uh, by the culture as well as by Islam. So for me, that was very important uh, as one point. The other one is I wanted people to understand the price and the cost that Muslim converts pay for their faith. Because a lot of times people don't know how much, how difficult the decision is to be made and the cost that we pay for it. Yeah, you hear about that in the scriptures, but uh, people do have it a little easy. Yeah, people thought I was weird in my family, but they didn't disown me. And that's usually what the first thing probably they would do. Oh, yeah, I was disowned. Uh, people, there were 12 people standing in front of my house who wanted to kill me. Hmm. Uh, the mosque declared that I should be dead because I re- left Islam. And in the university, in university, they failed me because I became a Christian. The, the dean uh, vowed that I will never graduate as long as I'm a Christian. So, you know, from having all your future ahead of you to having nothing, no family, no income, no job, no education, absolutely nothing. Hmm. And they do that deliberately because hoping that that would put so many screws in your life that you go back. Right. But it did not work with me. I just, uh, I was, you know, the more they tried to pressure me, the more uh, I stuck to the Lord. And I know this is heresy, what I'm saying or not, but I could be close to touch him. That's how close I felt the Lord was with me yes. the whole time. Uh, you know, it just uh, an assurance that He is with me, and the Scripture becomes part of a strong part of your life. One of my favorites was uh, Psalm 91, that really made a difference in my entire life. Uh, that the Lord would stand with me, and so on. You know, so so that's the second one. The third one is educational. Uh, especially with the questions in the end of the book. So each chapter becomes a lesson that people could discuss and talk about. And half of the problem of witnessing to Muslims is to know what they think, to know their response, and how their lives were shaped. The second part I wanted people to know that Muslims are not nasty. Muslims are not... I mean, if we talk about 1.6 billion, even if you say 10% are radical, that's the number that's been floating. That's 160 million. I know that's a big number. But there's 151.5 billion who are just normal Muslims. Uh, who are not scary. Who are, you shouldn't be afraid of them. They're just regular people who want to raise their kids and have better jobs and live good life. Uh, you know, so... So where do you come in in the picture? I mean, because you're very clear, you know, growing up as a Muslim, and you take us in a nice little journey, too, in your book, uh, again, from Cairo to Christ. But how sensitive are you, I'm sure a lot more, than you know, your average American, if you will, trying to uh, you know, interview or talk to a witness to a, a Muslim? God uses everybody, though. But what kind of sensitivity do you bring to the table? Well... I try to pray, to put that in the book by understanding them, by listening to them. But also, you know, I make him as a friend, but I don't stop there. I feel they need to know why I became a Christian, why Christ, how Christ changed my life. You know, I share with them when they have some crisis, I tell them, this is the crisis I went through, and this is how the Lord helped me. So I'm building relationship with them. But, you know, for example, you know, I had some videos that were prepared, you know, to answer Muslim questions. So we went one night and we had a nice dinner and I showed them the 10 minute video. Uh, the next day we got together again 
and their cousins came and started being mad at the Christians and saying all kinds of things. What was fascinating that those friends who saw the video started to defend Christianity because now you understand the perspective of the Christians. You know, well, so is, I mean, how how clouded does that get, though? Because, you know, we don't understand Muslims. Many people don't, uh, I should say. But you always wonder what a Muslim must think of a Christian. Uh, what, do you, what do you think three things are that they think about Christians that you wouldn't normally of, know? Yeah. One of the problems we have, okay, is they think that religion and culture are one and the same. So all Americans are Christians. So Madonna, when she sings half naked and has mm. a cross, you know, she's a Christian. When you see Hollywood and all the sexual connotation, mm. look at the Christian country and look at what they have. And, they're, you know, they say their culture is just, you know, this is what Christianity has ca caused. Beca they became liberal. They didn't want to, uh, you know, the Christianity had not changed their lives. Islam can you know, so this is part of the problem, and we need to explain to them not all the people they see in Hollywood in the movies are true Christians. So that's one point. And by inviting them to your homes, you know, they can see the difference. You can see how you relate to your wife, how you relate to your kids. Of course, I told people, make sure that you don't offer anything that has any poor connotation to it. Okay. But that's not a problem because all the Jews don't eat any pork as well. So, you know, people get so mad about pork and not pork, but the Jewish people have the same problem, and you don't eat pork. Well, you say something interesting in your book, that in short, the kingdom of God is not built around territory, but on justice. And you say God gave his covenant people the land as a gift in order that they might show forth and shout out God's justice. So sometimes we do try to get in the way. You look at Christian television, and they say all these prophecies are happening now, and people are shuffling to Israel, and it's it's the end times. Is And I think sometimes the timepiece, we can get a little bit of ahead of ourselves. And, and you say that that, well, you call it Christian Zionism, really, um, getting ahead, let's just say, of what God is going to do, uh, and maybe even trying to make these things happen in our own strength. Now, you say that ruins, um, as far as witnessing to Palestinians or witnessing to Muslims. Why is that? Uh, again, as I said, Muslims do not separate religion from politics. So they say if you're standing with, with Israel, that means Christianity approves everything that the Israeli government has, and all the Jews are rotten and bad, okay, uh, as politically. So they don't look at them even as people. That's part of making them your enemy. Uh, and we do the same thing to Muslims. We think all Muslims are radical. All Muslims are uh, are bad, like what we see on TV. And I think if we're going to keep doing this, we'd have no peace. And trying to hasten the coming of Christ back, that's none of our business. Christ knows the time, and he's going to do that in his own time. That's right. He doesn't need us to help him. Mm-hmm. And if he wanted to build his kingdom, you know, he would have come back a long time ago and told actually the disciples, the last thing they asked him, they wanted to have a kingdom. And he, sta he said, go to the world and tell them about me, not go build your kingdom right now. So we we began the kingdom, but it's not finished yet. Yes, and that's it true. Until he comes back. And for me, this is us trying to bring Jesus to come back in our own time, not his own time. That's and right. If there's radical Muslims, there's also radical Jewish people. And I, I used to be, I went to a, a church 
that was a messianic church and after a week it was burned down by the radical Jewish group hmm. fundamental Jewish group in Israel uh, you know what I'm saying so but these are not I, I have my friends who are messianic Jews that I worked with and I love and and I could tell you I mean I grew up to hate the Jews hmm. I've never met a Jewish person in my entire life but I just grew up to hate them because this is what they tell you. And, and when they say that, what's the influence, though? Just because Israel and they have made the Palestinian issue an Islamic issue. Well, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. They played the politics and mm-hmm. made that an Islamic issue. Well, and I want to ask you, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we, they, had, they used to do some walking in Dearborn, uh, the imams, the Muslim imams, started talking about the Palestinians. And I said, if this is not Islamic, we also Christian care about the Palestinian and their welfare. So I started to walk with them wearing my collar to say this is not just an Islamic issue. It is a Muslim issue as well, a Christian issue as well. You know, so that's what I try to portray to people. Uh, not just the Muslims who only care about the Palestinians and about against Israel. But just to tell you, just to put that in perspective, what is the kingdom of God is the kingdom of justice as well as the kingdom of peace. When I met my uh, Messianic Jews, they had to whisk me in because they're also as persecuted as we are as Muslim converts, by the way. Hmm. And they pray and they ask me to forgive them for what they have done to the Palestinian and the Arabs. And they took off my shoes and washed my feet. Wow. You, that changed my entire perspective. Huh. Uh, you know, it is life changing yes. when people. I've heard when people have done that in church, even. Yeah, but just to have, you know, your enemies that you consider your enemies to come and says, "Forgive us, and we love you in the name of Christ." For me, that's the true peace. I always say that the United Nations peace is nothing but a cease of hostility, while the true peace only Jesus Christ can give. Well, now, I wanted to ask Jews you about that. And, and the Christian and the Muslim converts together. In his name. And one day, I mean, you see all kinds of tension right now. And uh, there was even someone offering, I think it was in Israel uh, or Palestine, I, th- I think it was Israel, that if a Muslim and a Jew ate together at the same restaurant, it would be 50% off. Now, I, I read an article about that, that some restaurant did well, that. <laughs> you got to understand, only 20% are radical Jewish or fundamentalist Jews, mm-hmm. while 80% are not. Okay, I think that's that's a perspective that people need to see, too. Well, I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I want to ask you something here. You know, your work that you do. Of course, we're talking to Dr. Abu Atala, and he's the author of From Cairo to Christ: How One Muslim's Faith Journey Shows the Way for Others. Tell us about your work, though, and what you do, and where you do it. Uh, I travel, as I, as I wrote in the book, I travel to fifty-six countries in six continents. Uh, but my primary work is working with Muslim convert leaders. Uh, that's where I encourage them, I train them so they can go and train uh, their own people. Mm-hmm. None of the Christian seminaries in the Arab world can train, legally train, any Muslim converts. By Interesting. Now. Okay, so there's no education because they don't want to train them so they can, you know, lead others to Christ and build churches or, you know, have house churches. Uh, I also help them, we help when it comes to persecution. You know, Christ said, go to the jails, and we help people when they go to jail because of their faith, we help their families. I just had one just last week who they kidnapped his six-year-old child because he became a Christian. 
Well, they ask for money as well. What do you do? You got to help. I can't separate my belief from my charity. Hmm. You know, so this is the kind of things we do. So we help people. We help people escape when their life is at stake. The other one, we also do evangelism in the streets in Germany among the Syrian refugees. And well, that's got to be risky. You, we get in trouble with the Germans because you think, how dare you? Do you think Christians are better than Muslims and this and that? I'm against the trend. I'm against the political uh, correctness. Hmm. Well, you really go to these uh, risky places and uh, you hear about missionaries that do that. And of course, you are one of them, but uh, this is your life. Well, I always, almost got kidnapped. I had a few seconds, actually, before I got uh, to university in Gaza, and we almost got kidnapped. Somebody called us just five minutes before we left, and we ended up staying, not going. <laughs> Is that in the book, too? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> it should be. It's a good story. Yeah. Well, one last question I'd like to ask you, Dr. Atala. It's, um, uh, the fact is, if you could tell a Muslim who has come to Christ had a witness to another Muslim, what would you tell him? Share your life. Tell them who Jesus is. Uh, people don't know Jesus. Don't know who he is. They know about him, but they don't know him. And the more we can share our lives with them, uh, the more they come. And I tell you, I have hundreds of people. I've seen hundreds of people come to Christ. Uh, in the last 20 years, we had more Muslims who become Christian than the last 1,400 years since Islam has begun. Uh, so, you know, we are in the harvest time. We have mm -hmm. 2 million Muslim converts in Iran. And the Iranian would tell you that the best evangelist in the history of Iran was Ayatollah Khomeini. ISIS is doing the same thing among, uh, among the Syrians. The Muslim Brotherhood did the same thing among the Egyptians. And we have actually 2 million atheists. <laughs> You know who who are declared now in Egypt, uh, and that's closer when they become a Christian than having been a Muslim to become a Christian. You know, so we see some things we haven't seen in all these years. Well, these are the type of things that people only think about, and you're doing them as far as going all to different countries and going to places that are, I won't just say risky, dangerous. From Cairo to Christ, how one Muslim's faith journey shows the way for others. We've been talking to Dr. Abu Atala, and would you pray for us, uh, for the, all of the United States, the Muslims everywhere, and share your heart as you, uh, of course, in your book, you want to see many, many people, Muslims, everyone, come to Christ. We appreciate you being on the program. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Please give them heaven. Don't give them hell. Yes. And would you pray with us uh, or just say a prayer for all the... Lord God, uh, we, we know, Lord, that your kingdom is bigger than what we think. And your kingdom and the end of days when it comes, we see a church from every tribe, every nation, Lord, the same as Revelation has said. Lord, there are so many Muslims who need to know Jesus. Lord, help us to always take opportunity of having a Muslim neighbor uh, to talk to them, to share with them, not to be afraid, Lord. Take the fear away from us, Lord, that they may see the love of Christ, not the anger, uh, not the hatred sometimes we have. Lord, you are the Lord of love. You have loved us, Lord. We are all Gentiles. If we didn't love us, Lord, none of us would be there. But you have told your Jewish people to share you with us. And we thank you, Lord, that Muslims are also part of that kingdom. 
and not just to Europeans and Americans and Indians and Africans, but the Muslims of throughout the world. We pray, Lord, for more and more to come to you, to the Lord of love, not the Lord of hate, to the Lord uh, who doesn't kill but give life, Lord. You said, I am the life. You give life, Lord. You don't take life away. And we thank you, your great God, a wonderful Father, and a great Yahweh. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. You know, you say in the back of your book, if I were to become a Christian, it would mean not only changing my religion, but changing my whole identity and bringing shame upon my family. Changing from Islam to Christianity would mess up my life. It's all there in the book, From Cairo to Christ. And where can people buy the book? Uh, you have a different way from InterVarsity Press, but you can also get it cheaper at Amazon. All right. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> Either one, you know, IVP, uh, you know, depending how you're feeling, or um, Amazon. Okay. That sounds good. We appreciate your heart and for writing this book. Again, thanks for being on the program. It's been my pleasure. May the Lord's name be glorified.